water, earth, fire, air. Welcome to Bending the Elements. A production by the Novice Latest Podcast. With your hosts, Caleb and Isaac. Podcast about all things Avatar. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, those in between and unaffiliated to Bending the Elements, where today we will be discussing Book Two, Chapter Two The Cave of Two Lovers. The Cave of Two Lovers, yep. And this one's written by uh, Joshua Hamilton. I feel like we've seen him before. Oh, we've seen him before, and we'll see him again. Yeah, and the famous uh, Lauren McMullen has returned once again to uh, helm this episode direction-wise. So, yeah, and I'm going to try to read this summary here. I've Actually, do you, have any, do you have any opening thoughts you want to say before I get into the summary? Get ready for 90s cheese. Interesting. Maybe not. No, I'm probably not. <laughs> I think there's later episodes that are a lot more 90s cheese, if you know what I mean. I'm talking like Saved by the Bell levels of, of Velveta here. Oh boy, I don't remember that. Oh dear. But the summary. So, we open this episode like we open many book one episodes, with Op and the gang parked somewhere by the water, so Aang and Katara could get in some waterbending exercises. And much to the delight of your two hosts, Aang has finally taken his waterbending lessons seriously, and shows some modest improvement. But the mood takes a bit of a change of pace when Katara adds some physical contact or corrections on Aang's form, and he becomes very rosy-cheeked and embarrassed setting up some tension for later in the episode. But interrupting their training, a band of nomadic bohemians arrive, singing songs and enjoying the morning air. They hang out with the group for a bit, but Sokka demands that they get back on their way to the city of Omashu. In hearing about the group's destination, the lead bohemian tells them about a secret path to the city, and the two groups end up taking it together. And we'll get to more of that a bit later, but for now we'll head over to the B-plot side of the episode, where we meet two other wanderers without a home, Prince Zuko and his uncle Iroh. New to living life in the Lamb, neither of them are very good at playing hunters and gatherers. Iroh becomes obsessed with trying to identify plants that aren't poisonous, hoping for his usual morning tea, while Zuko makes some failed attempts at fishing. Iroh ends up consuming a poisonous flower, and Zuko decides that they need to seek help in a nearby Earth Nation town. But back with Team A and the Nomads, they decide to enter the secret path, which ends up being a scary tunnel riddled with ancient statues and moving walls. But with puffy-faced Iroh, while getting treated for his poison, they befriend a woman named Song, who invites them over for dinner. Over at the dinner, Song reveals that her father was kidnapped by the Fire Nation, and Zuko and Song grow a light bond together. Showing some more solidarity with Zuko, in a private interaction she exposes that she too shares scars from the Fire Nation's violence. Back in the spooky tunnel, the group are assailed by violent wolf bats, falling rocks, and failing hope. And just when things couldn't get worse, Aang and Katara are separated from the group. They discover the purpose of this cursed cave was the final resting place of two lovers from opposing villages. These two were the first earthbenders, and the moving walls were built as a way for them to meet in secret, where no one else could follow. But back with Zuko and Iroh, they depart the house after the dinner, with Zuko in a much more sour state than when they arrived. And noticing that they have an ostrich horse tied up by the house, Zuko decides to rob them on his way out. And begrudgingly, Iroh follows suit, 
and that's the last we see of them for this episode. But back with Aang Katara, we discover that the story of the two lovers was tied to the creation of the city of Amashu. And ruminating on the final resting place of these two lovers, Katara wonders if the solution to finding an escape is for Aang and her to share a symbol of love, a kiss. After a brief back and forth, they do, and this opens up a crystal-lit lover's path that leads them out of the tunnel. And for the other side of the group, a gang of badger moles arrive in the tunnel and start an attack. But Sokka discovers that they can be tamed by the lovely sound of music. They use the tame moles to escape the tunnel and meet up with Aang and Katara on the other side. They say goodbye to their friends the nomads, and the group head off to the city of Amashu. But when they arrive, they discover that the city's already been visited by some imperial firebenders. And we'll discuss more of that when we get into the cave of the two lovers. It would have been funny if you had started off or you had done it in a simile or an ode. Um, since this is about, this is a story about love. Oh, I was even going to say, it's too bad I've got my little cold going on or else uh, I would have broke up my guitar for some new songs with our little buddy here. Oh, you know what? That's <laughs> totally true. You could We could have done that. If only they come back for later in the series. That'd be great. <laughs> Oh, but I guess we should jump into who we're talking about there by getting to timestamp zero. Watch it on Paramount Plus if you want, on Netflix if it's still on there, on your DVDs or Blu-rays or illegally, oh. who knows. Well, I didn't realize it was on uh, Paramount Plus. That's interesting. I think it is. I don't know. You have Paramount Plus. I don't. Yeah, I haven't really looked through that much of their uh, their catalog. Yeah, it'd be funny if they uh, if they showed up. It, it was on Paramount Plus and it was ultra high definition. <laughs> Oh, I'd be choked. I was like, well, how, how'd they get this versus those other things? But but um, yeah, I guess uh, should we hit play in, in three, two, one, play. Oh, my screen stayed black for a long time. Fast <laughs> and loose the way. Mine almost did as well. Not that it you know matters at all. What's your, uh, remember your first girlfriend? <laughs> oh, me? Yeah, you. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Talk about it all or? <laughs> um, um, I was religious at the time and... Yeah, it was it was awkward. It's one of those ones where you like almost had to go and ask the dad for permission kind of thing. Yeesh. So and then eventually he was like, well, I decided that my my daughter's too young to date now. Whistler son. So you guys have to break up. So oh, that wasn't fun. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> it was very that. unfun. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's that's a shame. Yeah. <laughs> but here we go. Second episode of book two. I'm pumped. And here we open up with, uh, like I said, a pretty typical opening. But I do love the image of laid out, relaxed Sokka with Momo just curled up on his chest. I think I want that as a poster. I think that's such a great image. Yeah, on a leaf, by the way, a giant leaf as well. Yeah, that's great. And Katara's first line <laughs> where um, Sokka's kind of harassing him. Oh, let's get a move on. And she's like, what? Like, you're ready to go right now, naked guy. Something like that. <laughs> I thought that was great. Partially naked. He's wearing underwear. <laughs> Just her delivery. I thought she she handled that one really well. Yeah, sarcasm, of course. It's her way of handling her brother. Yeah, and it's nice to see Aang putting a little bit more effort into his uh, into his water bending. And I think there's some fun stuff here as she's training him. Yeah, I can't. Th- I like uh, like the octopus form. I like her shooting many, many, many different. Well, not many different, but many uh, <laughs> ice spikes at him at Aang, and I think that's a uh, good. It's a good little. Uh, not fight scene, but a little like sparring session, I guess, or training sequence. I did think those looked particularly sharp, those spike shoes. I was like, oh, maybe you should just have like rocks, maybe. <laughs> or not rocks, but like solid round pieces that would just 
bounce off him, not pierce his uh, his skin. But I think I don't know. I feel I feel like you know, no, you're, you're probably right on that. But I, I feel like she knew that he was able to. He he was already good enough with the octopus form. So I I feel like she had confidence with him, uh, not to you know get sliced or get stuck with the spikes. But that's just me. Or you know, he could have made just a wall of water and you know stopped them all. But Eh, whatever. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. And I do like when, when she's like, oh, you've gotten good with that octopus form. And then Aang has to bring his little bit of silliness back in and does his little octopus dance. I thought that was really cute. That was awesome. I, I enjoyed that. Just to, just because, you know, he was uh, acting a little weird when she uh, kind of helped him mm. get his stance on, if you know what I mean. Yeah, he looked a little, uh, yeah, a little, little embarrassed and a little pleased to be getting some some touch by her and a little bit more close contact uh, yeah uh, yeah just 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 be, have it have his form be uh you know looked at oh, okay so her neck's not naked it's completely covered but once again by obviously of course by her mother's betrothed necklace or grandma's betrothed necklace excuse me um but not by his betrothed necklace i wonder whatever happened to that old little keepsake Oh, yes, I forgot all about his little, yeah, one that he made. She just tossed it aside when she got hers. Like, oh, yeah, where's the nearest garbage? Let me just put this in there. Oh, I am so sorry, Aang. I am so sorry. By the way, I don't know why. I like her bathing suit, I guess. If you want to call it that. I like how they all look. Yeah, it's it's a, this is one of those episodes where the animation is just really on point, I think. You know who did it this time? Oh, is it? Uh, I couldn't imagine who. I mean, hmm, it's interesting. Yeah, exactly. There's only two. Dis- there's only two of them. So, <laughs> I don't know. I just I like the white on her. It, it it works with her. I guess it just contrasts her. Whereas Ang's is just his pants. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. But I like uh, when this this group of uh, very very noisy uh, uh, nomads show up. I like that Sokka just like falls into the water. <laughs> just like oh no hippies. <laughs> yeah, and Momo just flies away. I like that. It's kind of funny. I will. I will give him this. This is like a classic D and D session of just like, and I roll to see who you encounter, and oh, it's a band of hippies. It's like okay, there we go. Does that come up often? <laughs> I don't know. It's just, I think many a uh, many a player would tell you as such. Like you know, a random encounter just shows up, and you're always gonna run to a band of hippies. <laughs> yeah, and it's 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 kind of fun. I mean. I like the, I like, I always like to see Sokka just being like, kind of like a stick up his butt type. Like he's immediately on them and just can't, can't stand them in their, their whimsical ways. So that's some fun stuff for the episode, I think. Well, yeah, cause he's a logically thinking person and here comes, you know, the complete opposite to him. And he's just like, I can't deal with this. Yeah, and I like Aang because <laughs> of course these people would be the type of people that Aang would want to hang out with. And he's like, well, you guys are nomads. I'm a nomad. And immediately he's like, okay, we're bonded now for a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, but he says like, "Oh yeah, I'm a nomad as well." It's like, um, I said that already. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that guy's definitely a little, uh, little slow. Seems a little maybe, <laughs> but I think that's a fun intro for this little section here. Again, I feel like the the consistency of the animation so far. Like, I feel like there's subtle differences from the first book, but I I feel like I noticed them. You know? Yeah. I mean, I, uh... No, yeah, I think it's cleaned up. I think they changed the setting as well, which kind of helped. Now it's a little more into spring, potentially. Mm. And yeah, maybe they just, maybe the animators just have a better grasp of like, you know, the characters they're doing. So drawing, excuse me. So 
they're a lot better. They know how, what they look like anatomically. So they just like, they're, they're, it's refined to a point where, you know, they got, they got these characters down, which is nice. Hmm. Yeah. And how did they get Iro and Zuko down as we see Zuko sporting a new look and Iro is checking out some flowers, which is seems typical for Iro, I think in some way, a uh, good subtle hint of animation here telling our storytelling, excuse me, world building is that, you know, when we last saw these two, they had just cut off their, ceremonial hair uh and now we see that zuko is sporting um a head of hair yeah albeit still kind of almost army cut but still nonetheless it shows that it has been several weeks because as a person who has you know regularly has his hair cut into that like style uh it takes a bit before it like and he went from bald to that so that has to be at least a month uh and Mm. same with uh, uncle iroh's hair uh, again, maybe I'm like wrong on that, but your your hair does not grow as long as or as fast as people think. I mean, it can grow as fast as people think, but you grow your nails out longer than your or faster <laughs> than your hair. But that's just me. Yeah, I'm currently trying to grow out my hair and it's taken forever. And my hair is in like that awkward state where it's it's not where I want it to be. And it's like I just want to cut it all off, but I'm trying to grow it out. So you just have to stick it through. So. But uh, but it's is nice to see a change in Zuko hair wise. But what's caught Uncle Iroh's eye? Oops, I meant Iroh. <laughs> yeah, he's thinking about how much he wishes that he could still, you know, live a life of luxury, have his tea form every morning. And well, Zuko is worried about, hey, what are we going to feed ourselves? He's worried about, oh, how can I get my my nice relaxing uh, tea in for the morning? So he's checking out this flower. The white jade bush, I think they say white dragon bush but there's also the white jade bush oh yes that's right uh yes or it's a white jade bush mm. one is either poisonous with a white jade bush or the other is you know tea which is it delectable tea or deadly poison uh during the time when um uh, uh iroh was uh, uh emoting there and he was uh you know pontificating over whether or not he should turn this flower into tea or not. Uh, Zuko, there's just standing there with the, at, at his uncle, staring blankly at him, not even blinking. <laughs> yeah, I saw that too. <laughs> but um, but yeah, moving away from them for now, we cut back to Appa and his lovely, uh, I guess the Bohemian nomads have decided that he needs a little bit of a hair change. So I think that's kind of a cute little shot to include in there. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't disagree. What do you think of the fact that the what was the leader of this group's name? I, for, I forget. I didn't write it down. I, I don't think I caught it. No, that's fine. Uh, but he has some weird interests in like boys' underwears. That's all I'm gonna say. Oh, does he start talking about it during this scene? I don't remember. No, no, no. In the previous scene, uh, and I saved it till this time because I knew we were coming back to these guys. Uh, in the previous scene, he was looking at Sokka's underwear weirdly, and I'm like, is he got an interesting? Is he have a thing for? uh underwear like or boys underwear like uh okay i don't know if i should cut this i don't know <laughs> i i mean if you like have a collection where you want to turn on like used underwear into like a shirt i'm like i guess that's reusing underwear properly <laughs> it's gonna have some mighty stains if they're white but you know hey to each their own of course he definitely seems like the type of guy that just zones out staring at stuff like he seems like he's a little spaced a lot of the time so oh he's had like a lot of those white dragon uh teas or, or dragon flowers excuse me. like a lot of those things <laughs> yes. 
Yeah, and I like Aang with the little flower, uh, little flower crown. I think that's cute. <laughs> uh, I wish they did some more stuff with Katara's hair, but ah, it's it's okay. Yeah, and again, Zuko's or not Zuko. Again, Sokka's just like, hey, let's let's time to move on now. We spent too much time relaxing. I wanted to go like thirty minutes ago, and these these dang hippies show up, and now they're just slowing us down even more. And he's got no interest in them. It's like, do you guys know where Omashu is and all? Like, that's where we're going. Perhaps, you know, since you're traveling uh, salesmen, I mean, you're traveling hippies, um, you could perhaps point us in the right directions, even though, you know, we have Appa who could fly. Yeah, and I, I guess I did forget to write that. Or actually, maybe I intentionally didn't write it in my, my summary. When they're just like, oh, okay, Sokka, we'll agree with you. We'll we'll take off. And, and they go to the Fire Nation and they just immediately come back. They're like, okay, never mind. We'll go with your idea of this uh this legendary tunnel. <laughs> well, you forgot the fact that they are about to sing about the legendary tunnel. Yep. Listen to it right now. So the first time we have a diegetic. Oh, wait, no, not the first time. <laughs> Winter, spring. Okay, now I'm on white dragon tea. <laughs> yeah, and, he, and he, I, I don't mind his little tunes there. I think that's I think that, that, that could work. I think he's got to tune his loot better. Well, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> His Luke can use a tune-in. Yeah, and Sokka, he's definitely, he's not happy with any of it. He's just like, okay, this is, I'm, I'm tired of this now. It's time to move on. He is every normal person watching this show right now. And every, Aww. you know, f- you know, fandom person, every like, you know, super fan of the show uh, is, you know, the hippies. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Oh, but I just saw that brief little interlude with the Fire Nation. I think that's kind of fun. And then walking out away afterwards. Was that Captain Bolt Zolt Sr.? I don't know. <laughs> oh, I couldn't tell. <laughs> maybe not. Maybe, maybe not. <laughs> that's a little weird. I gotta I gotta call them out on that. It's just like, guys, I think you've dealt with worse. <laughs> well, they're just they're like, we're tired of this stuff with this Fire Nation. Let's just let's take the easy road. Are they tired? Ah, eh, fair enough. <laughs> hey, when they're walking away all like with this like ash and stuff all over them. They look pretty tired. They're all like zombie-ish. They're all leaned forward like, uh, so. uh sure. But I feel like, again, it's, it's, they can't exactly be relaxing since, you know, time is of the essence since Aang has till the summer's end to, uh, beat the Fire Lord or else. Hey, it's a shortcut, you know, a secret tunnel. It's gotta be a shortcut, right? Yeah, that's fine. It's just like, I don't know, it's like, I feel like they could get around those firebenders, but oh, whatever, it's fine. Let's go to the next scene then. Yeah. Yeah, the next scene is is Zuko coming back. Okay, he's been he's been taking his job as the hunter part of the gathering uh seriously, but to no results. All he caught is this tiny little fish that might as well be like a tiny little snack. Looks like a I don't know, like a sardine or something. <laughs> yeah, I could not even tell you what kind of fish that is that he <laughs> caught. Not even a goldfish. Yeah, at first I, he enters the scene with, which I assume is his best cosplay of that character from Angel's Egg. Oh, oh, I, I eh, no, I don't really see it, but I, I get the reference. But <laughs> that guy looked awesome. Uh, Zuko looks a little bit, a little bit lame. Yeah, different costumes, <laughs> of course, <laughs> different outfits and different uh, glorious hair. That that too, and didn't have a scar on his eye. Uh, and also different like tools that they had in their hands. Man, that movie was great. Great movie. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> but um, poor Iro, he, I guess he just decided, screw it, I'll just take the risk and try this thing, no matter what flower it is. And turns out it was the was it the dragon one that was the bad one? It was the jade, I believe. That was the jade. Mm. Not good. 
Oh, that's the one that was not good. Hey, he took a 50-50 chance. All right. He had he had yep. half a, half and half, man. So he, he took the bet and he failed. Yeah, and he's got his little his little berries there that he's trying to have, uh, but can't tell if it's the cure or necessarily something that's gonna be much worse and cause blindness. White but I guess not much worse. Jade plant, uh which can cure the white jade fruit or white dragon white jade flower of its um effects or the macaola berries that cause blindness yeah actually i think it was the make macquarie plant i don't remember now berries pakore yeah something like that pakore <laughs> sorry Pacquari, just, yeah, anyway. <laughs> sorry i'm gonna go the wrong anyway zuko's like this is ridiculous we're not gonna keep just flipping coins here with our lives it's time to uh, go to talk to someone who might know what to do so Yes, most likely, most definitely. Man, he is itchier than I am at a mosquito-filled lake. <laughs> yep. Yeah, thankfully they don't seem to like me very much. They don't. Uh, they don't tend to bite on me. Very often. Oh, you lucky son of a gun! You absolute lucky slob, you. <laughs> yeah, I always wonder why they don't seem. To I'm like. at snob. I mean, I don't know. There you go. <laughs> maybe that's why. Maybe, maybe the, I don't uh, shower enough, and they're like, "That guy stinks." Let's go to the next person. In between. Snoob, there we go, Snoob. Oh, but cutting back to uh, the other part of the the story, the uh, the secret lovers' tunnel side, the, the cave of the two lovers. Our group is entering this this ominous looking place, and I think they wait until now to reveal that it's uh, supposedly cursed. So probably not the best time to drop that on them. But what can you do? Well, I mean, like the the hippie bud said, there he's like. Um... You know, there's a few more lines and verses in there, and I forgot them all. So they probably were in there or not. Yeah, and it's interesting. I like the kind of ancient ruins. They they look kind of cool. They almost look like maybe like spirit uh, soldiers or something, spirit samurais or something. I see. Like this is an entrance to the spirit world potentially. Oh well, hmm. oh, we'll see what lies ahead <laughs> if they go inside the cave or not. But there still is some questions of whether or not they should or should not go in there. And yeah. they decide to proceed as soon as they uh, see some smoke coming from in behind. That's no smoke. Or at least, sorry, that is smoke. That's no campfire, though. Um, yeah, and we get a little little guest appearance from our buddies from uh, the finale. The little, uh, whatever these tank things are called. <laughs> oh, well, just, yeah, the tanks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just nice to see them again. I, I think they look cool. They were in the Northern Air Temple. That's not the finale. Oh, didn't they show up during the the siege of the north? They were in there, but I just also like they started off in you know northern water or northern air temple. Oh yeah, I just mean some last because I don't think we saw them in the previous episode of this season. But yeah, I guess so. Anyway, but as you know, there were the, the the only two people who were you know uh, voting against going inside the cave were of course Sokka because you know he doesn't believe it, and then Appa because he doesn't like caves, which kind of makes sense. Maybe he doesn't hate caves, just like he doesn't like. You know, long and stretching caves. Yeah, poor Appa. Yeah, he's definitely having a tough time in there. I guess he's got uh, claustrophobia. But um, which I guess would make sense with with Appa being trapped in that ice all that time. Weird though, that too. I also thought it was weird or not weird. I thought it was. I thought I read something somewhere. I don't know if it's extra canonical or not. That states that air bison sometimes also live in not live live in caves, but they you know. When they're tired, they'll go into caves, potentially. I don't, I don't remember if that's true or not. It's interesting. But um, again, Sokka and his little rampage. <laughs> like when they're like, oh, we've got these torches. 
Uh, they'll last. We've got five of them. That's 10 hours. And then she lights the other uh, four that they've got. And Sokka just immediately is choked. He's like, you morons. And he grabs it from her. And he's... <laughs> I was just like, oh, poor, poor Sokka. He just, and I like that the hippies never seem particularly bothered by him. It's like his, they don't even notice that he's all mad at them all the time. Something about that is just comedic to me. Uh, that's exactly how you play comedy. You have, you put two extremes together and then you see what the scenarios can come out of it. That's comedy yep. for everybody. Yeah. And sock is always a good kind of, uh, persnickety presence without being, uh, without st- stepping over the line to being like too, you know, too much, too overbearing, but, um, good use of that word there, compatriot. Uh, persnickety, I mean. Oh, okay. I, I thought maybe you thought maybe I missed the line. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, I just other than like you know the the the, the buds in the tanks, you know, drop the uh, ceiling onto them or in the mouth of the cave. So uh, they're kind of trapped, as you stated. And um, they begin with Sokka after you know putting out the other four torches. They begin. Uh, he begins drawing a map, basically. Uh, to try and make sense of it all, because that's that's what he would do. And we cut away. Yep, we cut. Uh, when we went to this place, I was like, hey, this kind of looks like the uh, the place in the fortune teller a little bit from the exterior, just a smidge. But um, yeah, then poor <laughs> Iroh's getting treated for the many splotchy kind of marks, and he's all puffed up. I was like, ooh, I've been there with allergies before. Yeah, I guess you could say that. He's certainly not looking like <laughs> he's certainly not looking like uh, Zuko's face right now. Yeah. By the way, do you have any allergies? Have you ever had that kind of reaction where you're like, I mean, one time uh, I woke up in the middle of the night and I guess I'd eaten something and my lips had swollen up so much that they were like pressed up against her to my nose and they looked just horrible. It was the nasty, nastiest thing. I was like, oh my God, like, what? how could this have happened? How could I not notice that this was, <laughs> but it woke me up. So I guess I did notice it eventually, but yeah, that's fair. Um, as for allergies, like I'm legendary when it comes to this stuff. Um, hmm. You asked. Uh, recently, I in February, I got finally got was able to go see the allergist, and it was determined that I have a I don't know, severe. I don't know what severity is like like how severe. I'll actually I guess severe reaction to uh, cedar pollen, and yeah, it sucks. Me too. That's why to get my EpiPen. I almost died from some peaches. <laughs> what the? Okay, let's, let's not don't go to Georgia then, or else you'll you know <laughs> you'll 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 they'll keel over and start foaming from the mouth like the second you start you, you walk across the border. Yeah, that that sends me to anaphylactic shock. Yeah, peaches, Jeez. peach dust, any of that stuff. They said that is. Can you at least have like fuzzy peaches? Oh yes, of course. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, thank goodness. Um, but. <laughs> I apparently have a slight reaction to dog. So dog hair. That's that's not good because I like dogs. Obviously not as much as cats, but I still do enjoy dogs. Like, yeesh, that's that's not good. Probably if I had a dog growing up, I probably would have uh, been less mm. re- uh, reactive to them. And then, of course, I also have a reaction to dust mites, which is uh, mm. awful. I do not absolutely like those guys yep. <laughs> at all. They're terrible. Yeah, little butts. Yeah, yeah, really bad. Like it, it actually makes sense because every morning I would blow my nose, and I'm just like, okay, there's no, um, there's no cedar pollen in this room. What's going on here? Turns out it's dust mites. 
it's like shoot well that stinks um really don't like it's just like them um but in terms of allergies it only uh affects my sinuses nothing else no watery eyes no itchy eyes if it gets very severe then yes i can like get itchy eyes but this is like under like very severity issues or severe issues excuse me so i guess you never swole up like poor uh poor uncle iroh here it's not the case where i've swollen up i've like swollen up from maybe some well i mean it depends but i've swollen up from mosquito bites but or mosquitoes bites but not so much you know allergies no, but we meet Song here, and I feel bad for this character. I mean, she seems like such a nice kind of open girl, and she's like, oh, you two wanderers, like, here, come come over and have dinner with us. And it's just such a shame, the end of this episode, what Zuko does there. I, but but what would you think of, of her up to this point? Well, I like her design. I think she's very much the girl next door, uh, and are just very, you know, rural country girl i think they get her and the voice down with that was she designed that way she's a side character she could be designed however they need her to be in the plot um i forget did we get some of her backstory just now i don't think so Mm, no i think it's a little bit later yeah they gave yeah she just inquired you know what was happening in that uh what was happening between the two of them and they kind of you know did the whole routine of like oh i'm lee and this is my uncle. I don't remember the uncle's name. <laughs> <laughs> Me neither. But yeah, no, I, I I like her design and we'll get more on her later um, for now. Um, moving on. Yeah, back to the map. Sokka's uh, not very well put together. Map. He's the map. He's the map. He's the map. He is lost. <laughs> oh, Chong, that's the uh, that's the leader of the group. Cheech and Chong. But yeah, we basically just get like a tiny little snippet of them. There's a lot of very uh, short scenes between the two groups. That's true. Like maybe like 15 seconds and then it quickly jumps over to the next one. But thankfully, because this is a show that we, you know, talk about all the minutia and every minute detail, mm-hmm. we're going to talk about everything. No, I'm just kidding. All it was is that Sokka's lost. Um, again, his, his theory of like, we're going to start here. We know where the entrance is. And then we're going to like go around this labyrinth. Uh, and mark our way down, you know, trail of breadcrumbs, but on a map instead, Katara's like, this is the 10th dead end we've found. Um, he's like, this is impossible. Um, blah, 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 stuff from Chong. And then ground begins to shake or the whole cavern begins to shake. And then after, I think it's before, after Sokka says like, it's moving the, uh, or the tunnels are shifting. It's like, I wonder what that could mean. Um, but we'll, before we, you know, see what that, sh- the cause of that shaking is, if it's the tanks potentially, uh, we cut back over to, uh, Lee and his uncle and they are invited to dinner at June's place. Oh no, sorry. Uh, song. Yeah. Song. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and this is, this is one song gives her a little bit of a backstory here with, um, how she lost her dad to a fire nation raid. I guess they were just like storming Earth Nation villages, yep. I guess. Going around taking names. Yeah, just taking all the men. That's pretty grim. That's super duper grim. Oh, yeah. Not nice at all. Just going around whether he was an earthbender or not, or looked like a warrior. I don't know. I guess it makes sense. Like, you know, you need 
two sets of you need a you need a male and a female to reproduce. So I guess take the male away and can't have that. I guess it's either, but I don't know. Just well, who who knows what happens after that? But takes him away, and I like Zuko's line of like, you know, I haven't seen my father in you know a few years, and he doesn't lie. I gotta give him that. He certainly doesn't lie. Yeah, I was gonna say on the taking the men, I kind of assumed it's like an imprisoned situation where they've just got all these little prison camps around and they just round up any people that could pose any sort of rebellion. Just lock them up. It is most likely that. It most likely is that. They probably try to break their spirits then send them back when they're kind of shells of who they were before. Yeah, pretty grim. As far nations, uh, like some of that stuff they kind of play off in the shadows, which you're just kind of have to think about it, but pretty gross uh, imperial campaign they've got going on. But Well, a campaign nonetheless, and there are ways to win wars, I assume. But is it worth doing that all and uh, darning your soul? I don't think they care about that. So <laughs> Zuko seems to a little bit, though. He seems to have some reflections there. Well, he's kind of, you know, him actually hearing this, maybe, I don't know if it's for the first time, but certainly hearing this, and he has to confront this almost in a way, as the prince of yeah. the nation that is, you know, ruining this you know kind of you know just just innocent person's life in a way um he has to kind of affect that you know or he has to deal with that and it's yeah it certainly can be hard uh taking taking that all in i wonder if iroh is used to that or not yeah and then then having to see a bit of a mirror of himself there with her and how much like i mean she's still kind of an open kind person trying to do some good for these strangers and compared to what he is, just kind of this rage-filled kind of, I don't know what to call him, but person who reacts badly to like everyone that's around him, even his uncle, he kind of mistreats. Rage-filled obsession, uh, obsessive person? Yeah, but maybe the obsession has dropped. I mean, he, he certainly doesn't seem as keen to chase the Avatar at this point. Or Oh, it's not the Avatar, it's to see his father, I mean. That's fair, that's fair. Which you have to do the, he has to grab the avatar, I mean, but still, the obsession, yeah. you're right, has been kind of uh, neutered for now, or at least put in the background. Yeah, at least for this episode, but but continuing on, we, we cut back to our other group for a little bit, and they're still just kind of wandering around like, oh no, like, where are we going to go? We take a little bit of a remnants of the, uh, I guess, I was going to say ruin, but I guess it's the, maybe that's the chamber that the bodies were kept in? Uh, not yet. No, they're in there. It's a little ways away. Yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe behind these walls because doesn't it break down pretty quick here? Well, I guess let's see. Maybe I'm jumping ahead a little too quick. You have to. Yeah, no, just just be just you know be patient, my friend. Um, I will say that you know we get a really good shot. I must say, uh, you know, we hear this. We, we hear this wailing. We don't go back to uh the rumbling just yet but we go back to uh we heard this like wail this howling sound it's like what is that we get introduced to a new animal my friends and it's done mm. very gre- greatly i'd say i think a few kids may have gotten shocked but i think anybody really gotten spooked by this i think it's you know it doesn't matter what age you are it just depends on like how how well you can handle stress maybe not stress but how well you can <laughs> handle a scare a spook how well your nervous system is and so uh, this, you know, the wolf bat spooking, like coming out and spooking uh, in universe, the gang and the hippies probably could have got some people. I'll, I'll admit uh, even 
while I didn't get spooked by it, I certainly saw the appreciation of the spook. I'm like, okay, that was actually you know, a good spook because both the audience and the characters in the universe were getting spooked by it. Uh, said it wolf bat. And I love the design of said wolf bat. Uh, it's two mammals together, which is nice again. Yeah, it's cool. And it storms around the room and then it lands on the ground. I thought that was a, it almost looked like a transformer in some ways. Which <laughs> is like, oh, I didn't realize it, it could do that too. Oh, so yeah, it's cool cool little villain well it's got it's 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 uh it's it acts like almost a wyvern in a way like a small dragon where yeah the wings are or like a pterodactyl almost in a way where you know they they had their they have their wings and then they have their little claws on their on their uh on the wings there so like you know it can they can use it as climbing or as like you know front legs something like that that's kind of how it works i believe yeah and it certainly spooks appa and he kind of goes into a little bit of a I guess there's a little bit of a panic. To, uh... What spooks Appa is not uh, the wolf bat. It's the fact that Sokka was flailing around one of their torches. Oh, the fire. Uh, the wolf bat yeah. knocks it out of Sokka's hands and then it proceeds to go right to Appa's leg and then, you know, fire bad. And he panics, like charges away into like, you know, the side of uh, one of the walls there and causes a cave in basically uh, right before, you know, a bunch of rocks fall on any of the nomads in Sokka and Momo uh, or not Momo um, does Aang realize, well, crap, I can't enter the avatar state because I'm still shocked after what happened, you know, all those weeks ago. And I also can't earthbend yet. So I'm just going to use air and he uses air to push them all away. Yep. So that was a cool scene for Aang. Yep. And then after that, he then turns around and is like, "Uh Oh, my friend, my other friend, Katara, She's also going to get buried alive and she doesn't have much water with her other than like, you know, what's in her uh, water skin there. And so she's, uh, she's going to need my assistance. So he blitzkriegs over and grabs her and gets her out of the way before all the debris falls on them. And they make it with Appa. Uh, it was okay. It was with Appa. I thought Momo was with them. <laughs> uh, and they're stuck on the other side. The both groups have been separated uh, from each other. Yeah, and Sokka tries to kind of pull the rocks away and we get a little it's no use uh, line. I wondered if you appreciated that, but <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess that's fair. You know, where the Chong was just like, we've been separated. But at least you have us. No, why? Yeah. <laughs> Sokka, don't worry. I don't think it's no use. Now you need to be of use. Use that noodle of yours. Yeah, and this is when we cut back over to Zuko and we get that scene that I mentioned in the summary where she kind of to, tries to kind of bond with him a little bit more on a personal level because she could see that he's a really troubled person. He's kind of holding everything in. And so she was like, oh, or, or I guess, did you have much to say about this scene? The, the scar reveal? We're comparing scars now. It all of a sudden reminds me of that scene back in good old Swamp <laughs> Thing, Return to Swamp Thing, where, you know, Steve oh. Benjamin are, you know, comparing scars. <laughs> That is not where I thought you were going. I thought you were going for Jaws. <laughs> uh, I guess that's, there's that too. I guess, yeah, that good old scene in Jaws where Quinn and, um, uh, not Beck, what's his name? Quinn and the other guy. Oh, uh, Quint and, uh, oh yeah, what is his name? Oh, man. Ah, uh, shoot. Uh, Richard, no, not Richard Dreyfus. No, yeah, Richard Dreyfus's character. Yeah, and I can't remember. Uh... Oh, but anyway, yeah, the, I, I think, uh, I think this scene was handled pretty well. I appreciate Zuko's kind of uh, 
I don't, he's hard to track in this episode because he he does seem like shocked by again like now I've kind of heard of this they took this element from you now that I've seen it, they've scarred you like they've scarred me and he looks at her with more of a like a shock of kind of this person's kind of experienced a lot of the same same things that I have but but they cut away so quickly they don't really <laughs> give us enough time to uh, kind of linger with him. So yeah, I guess either the audience has to put it, fill it in the fill in the blanks themselves, Mad Lib style, or uh, they just you know take you know objectively what the scene was about. Uh, I I read it as Zuko's you know outside in the uh, on the patio there or the porch, and he's just you know alone by himself. But I don't think he's like sulking in his angst. I think he's thinking to himself about. I mean that could be just you know sulking in his angst, but he's thinking about you know what has happened basically the revelation that he's kind of been given uh, where he's getting a firsthand experience of what, as I said before, or what we've said before um, his, his nation is doing to all the other townsfolk. Uh, Cause before he's probably been going through uh, taking names, of course, just trying to look for the avatar. Um, and this time, you know, he's that's on the back burner right now. And he's actually confronting a person, and this person happens to also have a scar. Maybe not visible, yes, but not as visible as his is. Um, and I do like the fact that when he does grab her from pre- preventing her from, like, you know, touching his uh, scar, I, I do at least appreciate the fact that he doesn't get, like, angry at her. But he's, he himself certainly has limits, and I respect that. Um, I think anybody would, like... Th- they're, they'll be open, but they're, they still have their own limits. And is is Song crossing a line of like you know inappropriately touching Zuko at the wrong time? <sighs> eh, potentially. Yeah, I thought that was a little bit of a step too far. They're not quite at that point in their uh, <laughs> their relationship yet. I agree. Yeah, if that that now that could have happened if you know this was potentially uh, you know. This went a little further than just friendship or it was built on friendship first and then went a little further. But um, yeah, for now it's like, I, I understand what she's trying to do. She's very curious as to like, you know, feel what the scar is and if she can still feel like the heat from the day he was burnt um, or just, you know, feel his raw emotions in there. But again, he denies her, but again, doesn't like rebuke her, rebuke her or anything after the fact. <laughs> And instead, she yeah. shows him. I guess to open up, of course. Uh, hey, I'm no different than you are in a way, minus the fact that it's you know visible, depending on how visible. Because I can at least hide it with my you know with my pants, whereas you can't really hide it unless you wear like a hood or a hat of some sort. Yeah, I guess we'll return to this scene when we uh, we see a little bit more of of their dynamic. But agreed. But cutting back to Aang and Katara on their own, they find this kind of kind of looks like a door some sort of entrance and they're unable to open it and i guess appa just decides to take the initiative i did, did was something i missed there where appa like asked him or did he just decide to charge it um i think it's the claustrophobia just not liking being in caves and so he's like he's he's had enough of this that wall is coming down because it may mean that he can get out of here so he you know bull rushes or bison rushes it and cracks the vault open surprisingly it doesn't fall down instead it just sways to the side i'm yeah. impressed by that actually it's a little weird i thought hey this is the tomb of jesus what's going on here 
Oh boy, yeah. I guess it roll aside, yep. The big boulder thing. <laughs> hey, wait a minute. You didn't even talk about the fact that the uh you know Chong and his his band of nomads were doing another song. Ah, I didn't have much to say about it, but <laughs> Oh, but yeah, this is when we get kind of a cool little maybe a necessary backstory about the how the city of Omashu came about with these two lovers. Um, was it one was named Shu, the other was named Oma, was it? Or Oma? Yeah. One was Oma, the other was Shu. Hmm. Golly. Yeah, and first first I thought like, oh, like when they were setting this up with the song earlier, I was like, oh, are they going to make some joke about the Great Divide? Because I couldn't really re- remember this episode very well at all. So we're talking about like, oh, there was these two villages, like they're separated by like a mountain. I was like, oh boy, here we go. But but I like that this this kind of echoes, um, funnily enough, the uh, Superman episode that we just talked about. I was going to say. <laughs> Where we get an aspect ratio change and a little bit of a more dramatic kind of backstory piece. So that's kind of a fun coincidence. Pair those two up today. And it's done in like, oh, what's that Chinese art style called? It's done in a specific Chinese art style. Um, kind of, if you remember Mulan, when they were like... Uh, singing in a girl with uh the song a girl worth fighting for uh they kind of mm-hmm. had some of those similarities again it's not verbatim i just i forgot what the art style is called yep um but they do such a beautiful like rendition of it it's ah oh, it's so beautiful um they then uh it's it's also kind of sad it's like the better version of the great divide. I think we'll get to that though. I think I'll (laughs) save that for later. Yeah. And I think it's, I think one of the cool things they do with this little, this little montage thing is they've got sort of an overlay over it all, which looks kind of like unfolded paper. Yeah. It's like this old story. It passed down. I thought that was just a cool little subtle touch to add over that little filter, but, but very beautifully realized little backstory scene about, Yeah. I guess did you say you wanted to save the story for a little bit, or oh no, I, I, meant, I meant about like the comparison to the Great Divide. Uh, I have no oh, problem okay. with talking about the city of just that. You know, there were two lovers. Uh, one lived mm-hmm. on each lived on the other side of a mountain, a, a big, great, big mountain top. They wa- they wished to see each other one day, uh, but they could not because it was forbidden by their own village. And so they went to the Badger Moles, who were the first Earthbenders. Great introduction to that, by the way. Uh, the first earthbenders, and they taught them how to earthbend, and from there they created tunnels and alongside the the badger moles to meet in secret. Then one day, Shu died, and for that she got enraged, and with that she used her earthbending. Everybody else did not have earthbending by that point, and from there she made sure that both sides realize a Romeo and Juliet story that ended with her not dying and making everybody realize, Hey, let's make a city. Let's bring each other together and not let this ever happen again. And thus mm-hmm. a, uh, a massive city was erected from the earth itself uh, to house both peoples together and dedicated to both of the lovers themselves. Uh, it was a, combination portmanteau i believe it's called uh between both their names uh her name being oma and his name being shu and thus we have the city of amashu yeah that's a very pretty little little story 
And I mean, it's not like we really needed it. I don't, I don't think it really comes up again much, but it's just nice to fill out the world with these kind of things, especially because this is more of a filler episode. I like that it kind of filled into the greater history of this, this world that we're in. It's probably not going to show up at the end when Aang fights the Fire Lord, and that's not a spoiler. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that'd be funny. Just remember Omashu. Um, no, but yeah, it's for a filler episode. I don't, I, I don't have a problem with this. I think it's really wonderful that uh, we see this. That's mm-hmm. that. I, I, we need this stuff. I think, I think it's necessary. But anyway, that's that's besides the point. Um, we also forgot to mention. Um, one of the lines that you know Chong had said in the uh, in the song, which was, let's see here, love is brightest in the dark. Just remember that. Oh yeah, and we got this wonderful, mm. beautiful, ma- ma- massive like sculpture and or carving into the stone of both of them yep. sharing like you know a kiss between the two of them. Very wonderful, like highly detailed and like if you looked at that in real life, that'd be oh that'd be that'd be art in of itself. Should win stuff. Should be recognized. Mm-hmm. yeah super pretty and yeah it's a good setup for some of the the tension with ang and uh katara oh it's yeah a great little uh way to contrive them to uh have to have to expand on some of that stuff but <clears throat> but before we get to that yeah we have to cut back to uh Sokka and the, the hippie gang again yeah Sokka losing brain cells oh these these poor folks well to him i mean i'm not like saying the folks are like that i'm just like to him himself he can't stand these people so he's losing brain cells over them mm-hmm. yeah and again i don't know if there's much to add necessarily in this little bit i mean i think this is when we first see the, the badger moles well there's also a running gag here of uh of of Sokka smacking himself upside the head <laughs> yeah the face palm yeah <laughs> over and over again the originator of the face palm no of course not uh, but yeah, basically, uh, Chung was stating like, hey, let's play a love song. It's like, how's that going to help our current situation there, bud? And before Sokka can scream anymore and want to, you know, kill these people with rocks, uh, we cut away uh, to Katara and Aang, um, where not yeah. only did Chung have an idea, she has an idea. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. It's pretty out there. She's almost embarrassed to tell him. Oh, it's... Oh, it's so embarrassing. Yes, no, she's just like, I can't really think of anything, but I was thinking about, you know, this is love is brightest in the dark. So we're in this dark cavern and whatnot. We have these, these, these candles, right? We got this big, you know, carving into the wall of these two, you know, Oma and Shu kissing each other. I'm just like, Ang, what if we uh, put our lips together? Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, and she's got the, uh, she's got the rosy cheeks as she says it and poor ang just he really messes this one up just <laughs> a look of disgust from uh, on the outset probably intentional and uh or unintentional i should say and yeah i mean it's, it's kind of a fun little scene but <laughs> poor ang <laughs> well as he says uh you know she she's blushing and all and he's laughing they're they're you know they're acting like you know oh why would i want to do that he's just like i definitely wouldn't want to kiss you oops Yep. Next thing you know, she's choked. Wow. What do you, what do you mean? Like, I didn't realize it was such a terrible idea in that regard. Like, yikes. And then, of course, he just keeps screwing it up more and more. Every every time he puts the foot in there, he just leaves more room for another foot to jump in. And it's like, oh, it was a choice between kissing you and dying. Well, <laughs> and she doesn't even 
doesn't even want to let him finish. That's enough for her. Oh, don't worry there, my friend, my young friend. Um, it still gets harder. <laughs> Me trying to act normal around normal people. <laughs> if it was a chance to hang out with you or dying, it's like, <laughs> I totally go with you. I totally hang out with you. Yeah, who wants to hear that? That's, yeah. Yeah, no. So it looks like Katara was uh, thinking about her feelings and her thoughts. Mm. Well, back to the fortune teller, where she'll marry a powerful bender, potentially. And that was the episode where Aang kind of had his first eyes on her. So That's true. I don't know if that was written by Josh Hamilton or not. That'd be funny if it was. Yeah, maybe I'll look as we discuss this uh, this next scene. Actually, no, that was Aaron. There was Aaron Hawes. I remember now. It was it was oh, Aaron sure. Hawes potentially. But look it up anyway, just to be safe. I'm pretty sure. Pretty sure it was Aaron. Anyways, um, yeah, it, it basically just awkward chemistry between the two of them. You know, it's will they, won't they kiss? Who knows? By the end of this, that's where the '90s cheese comes in, where you know audiences were forced to question: Are they gonna kiss or not? I don't know. Who knows? Wait for the audience to react to that. We then once again, there's a lot of quick cutting, obviously, between, as you said, but you know, we again get back to Chong and his group and they're in a love song right now. Maybe it'll make it on the Fire Nation's greatest hits. Who knows? Yeah, but I don't think anything really substantial happens till we cut back to uh, Zuko and Iroh saying their last goodbyes here in a very beautifully shot scene. Oh, my goodness. Like, look at all these fireflies everywhere, man. Yeah, very, very I would not believe my eyes with all these wonderful, dazzling fireflies. Let's just hope that they're not by a graveyard. Huh. It's another nice use of that kind of uh, CGI that we've seen them using a little bit more often with the kind of, uh, uh, what's the word, kind of more dynamic moving elements. Like we saw that recently with the, uh, the ash. The ash. Yeah, I can't remember which one that was. Maybe that was the Siege of the North. That was, uh, yeah, Siege of the North Part 1. Yeah. So yeah, that definitely works here, and they kind of, at least Iroh gives kind of a polite goodbye. Thank you very much for hosting us here and your lovely your lovely food. But Zuko doesn't even want to say another word. He just starts walking away. And Iroh has to pull him back and be like, hey, you know, be rude. Say thank you. And yeah, what do you think is going on with, with Zuko during this moment here? And when he decides to steal from them as on their way out. Well, it's also what Song said as well of, you know, you know, there's there's you know, there's all this darkness in the world, but there is hope. Um, she has heard that the Avatar has returned. And mm. Zuko also has basically says almost similar, like, yeah, I'm aware of that. Um, not that's not what he said. but um, Yeah, that's, this is a good question of like. What is he going to do with his ostrich horse exactly? Uh, well, I, we know what he's going to do. Also, they remind me of the Chocobos almost from Nausicaa and or Final Fantasy. Yeah, I can see that. And I guess the Tauntauns <laughs> as well. But regardless of that, um, what is he uh, What is he thinking in that little noggin of his? Yeah, I got the I got the sense with the kind of the scenes with him and Song are almost like him confronting himself in some way and like maybe a different version of what he could be and what his experiences you know, could have led him to be rather than what he is where he views himself as kind of like, he's been this, this tool and this monster, I think. And I guess in the end here, he's almost like almost her kindness towards him spurns him on to be like, if, if this is the villain that I am, then I guess that's what I am. That's kind of what I was getting from, from it. Mm, okay. That's fair. Like he almost having to face, face that made him realize that he needs to get back to the track of being that, 
kind of monster that he's become. Cool. Interesting. Where he where's his uh where's his morality on his sleeves in a way? Of like he's not proud of it per se, but he's certainly like accepting who he is. Maybe not. Maybe not about that. I was thinking like potentially uh the fact that she mentioned the, had she not mentioned the avatar, I wonder if he would have just kept going and walked away. But because mm. she mentioned the avatar it reignited the fire in his soul for a split second. And he's like, I must get back on track. Uh, if I, if I do, um, what is it called? If I get my chance, if I can, if I can wait it out, get delayed gratification. Um, and you know, do these, well, I don't know, do good acts, but I, I will do all this just to get the, get my prize basically. I don't know if it's that personally. I'm just throwing that out there that he was using this as a way to means to get away or to get to the avatar in the long run. I mean, but potentially Zuko is unprepared as we've seen. He can't survive on his own. Um, you know, he's loved, he he's lived this life of luxury um, his whole life until, you know, the incident with the Agni Kai duel and he, is now all like has nothing other than his uncle basically and again he's also still sad saddened that you know his father really doesn't want to see him anymore just because he thinks of him as a failure after what happened at the north pole and so he after what you know azul is probably still in his head so potentially you know he pulls you know what some people do when they see, see when a street person potentially sees a bike, you know, either unchained or they see it chained and they find a way to unchain it. Basically, you know, I, I it's I don't think out of maliciousness, but it's certainly out of survival potentially. No, I got the sense there was more to it, malicious wise. Interesting, like when he when because Iro's like, what are you doing? Like these people, they just showed you great kindness. How can you do this? He's like, well, they're going to show us a little more kindness. And just the way he says it, it's got that bite of like, he almost wanted to spite them for, for something. That's fair. Like she, uh, basically for her almost touching his scar, uh, or he's running. What is Zuko doing? He's running from the fact that he could have this life and he chooses not to, and instead chooses to be in this position. Eh? And I almost wondered if there was a touch of he felt like he got too too close to almost siding with the enemy and betraying himself and his father more. Like he was almost like, yeah, he was starting to really relate with her and kind of see things from the point of view that's not from the Fire Nation perspective. And then it was almost like he had to remind himself, like, no, this is who I am. I'm Prince Zuko, like a fire prince. And I don't know, again, they leave it so open you never really get into his head in this episode, but so it's hard to really have a f fully uh, defined reading of maybe what he was thinking here, but I don't know. Lot, lots of different things could be going on there. Yeah. Several interpretations that we have potentially. I, I like the idea that he is running. He is running away from this because he likes it. He actually does like this. Uh, for a split second, he thought initially that he could have this mm. and then he goes back to his you know despicable self and 
you know, says that they had, they gave me, they showed kindness. Therefore I will take that kindness. Uh, maybe not repay it, but <laughs> take it with, uh, maybe I'll repay them one day somehow, but not in this case. And then, you know, uncle Iroh furious of this in a way. Yeah. Zuko, we don't know whether Zuko would have like left him or not, but he doesn't, unfortunately hanging his head low, probably not in happy doing it. He does leave and go on the, uh, on the, on the beast of burden. Yeah. I like that Iroh, he's always playing the mentor role, but a passive mentor, he still allows Zuko to always make his own decisions. That is the biggest thing. You're, you're absolutely correct. I always think that's cool. And yeah, they run, they wander off somberly. And then we see song. She caught it. Watch the whole thing. I think that was another really good touch that she also didn't try to step out and stop him either. Just kind of allowed it to happen. Oh yeah. This is, this is some good drama, my friend. This is some good storytelling and good animation as well. I must say just because, you know, only, only bits of, of, uh, voices used, uh, the rest, all animation and, or, you know, characters in or doing it all, all the acting themselves. Very good stuff. I always like that when it's mostly just, you know, the character acting, which not many people think of when animation sometimes. Yep, that's true. That's true. But um, we're going to run out of light, aren't we? Yeah, so I guess they, they decided like, okay, well, you know, clearly we're not going to find our way out of here. Like, what do we got to do? Aang and Katara. Yes, yeah, so they decide like, okay, well, looks like the only solution is we're going to have to try Katara's uh, theory earlier. Let's try the kiss out. And I don't know about this scene with the uh, the light slowly fading as they slowly move towards each other. Like maybe it was the best way they could, could handle it. But I don't know. I, I thought it was maybe anticlimactic, maybe in some way. Ooh, interesting. Maybe played a little like, I don't know. They both almost looked, I don't know, somber. Maybe I wasn't sure how to read them either during that scene. Lack of emotions. We're, we're, we're doing this non-romantically this is we're, we're just doing this as an act almost like how i when when i finished the play uh on the last day i kissed i finally kissed the girl as i was supposed to in the play um and i we practiced of course it wasn't like done live i mean it was live but like we, we, we did it in the background because i wanted to do it finally because i was like i got this is the last show i might as well just do it and go <laughs> strong and actually do what i said or what the uh directions called for um and you know, I didn't when I when I kissed her, I didn't have any like emotion of like attachment. It was just a you know, I, no different than like a handshake to where mm-hmm. the characters are, like the character. My character loved her, and so did she. But it's an act. It was fake. Like we, she has a boyfriend. I didn't. So it's like, you know, I didn't have a significant other. So it wasn't like. I was taking advantage of this. Like, ah, I'm kissing. It's like, I think kissing is absolutely disgusting. <laughs> lip, lip to lip. Sorry. Lip to lip. Cheeks. Fine. Totally fine. But lips. Totally disgusting. Would not recommend. I'd recommend, but, <laughs> but for, 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 uh, Katara and, and, uh, Aang. Yeah. Maybe it was like a sense of reservedness. Like maybe Aang was like, oh yeah, I'm kissing her, but it's not for the reason that I want. And maybe for her, it's just general awkwardness. I don't know. Well, yeah, the, the potentially the uh, little like spat they had before was you know still in their minds, so they were like, oh, let's just let's just try this like to, to for the sake of the plot of of like to get out of here. Let's go." 
and Katara puts out the light and you know light fades did they kiss or not who knows and all of a sudden brilliant green teal light aquamarine light comes in from the ceiling and we see a reverse pathway not of the yellow brick road but the aquamarine crystal path in the cavern the breadcrumb trail the way out potentially yeah, I, th I think that was another uh, pretty image too. But um, then we cut over back to uh, to uh, Sokka. And this is when those scary uh, uh, wolf bats really start to uh, look a lot more menacing. As like a whole like army of them charges appears out of the uh, out of the darkness. Yeah, and it, are they the most villainous looking of the uh, of the beasts that we've seen so far in the show? I can't think of any other ones. We're not talking Ko here, are we? I guess Ko, yeah. I, I was thinking more just regular beasts, not spirits, but... Yeah, non-spirit animals. Uh, Heibai doesn't count because he's a spirit. Uh, Ko's like the creepiest spirit so far. And uh, there was a baboon or curly-tailed baboon or whatever it was. Uh, in but That was a spirit, I think. Uh, or maybe it wasn't, who knows. Uh, who had his face taken from Ko, or by Ko, excuse me. Uh, leopard seals. We had turtle seals. Um, yeah, probably the most menacing looking uh, so far. Just because, I mean, doesn't people love looking at bats? Yeah, and I was thinking their uh, their snouts almost look like like a like a possum when it opens up its mouth all the way. That's another thing, isn't it? I don't know if possums and bats are distantly related or not. Yeah, I'm sure. Somewhere down the line. Yeah, somewhere. They have to like I mean, we're all, there. all us mammals are, you go far enough down the line, so. We're nearly related to bananas, so. <laughs> That's true. But, um, yeah, so at first they're all like, holy crap, like, where'd these guys come from? And why'd they all pass us? And they think Sokka. We're being attacked. And then it turns out they weren't being attacked. We weren't being attacked. That's good. Wait a minute. They might be, have been running from something. What could they have been running from? Let's, let's, let's talk about it in song. <laughs> All of a sudden, boom, from like, you know, out of nowhere uh, comes the road, the giant rotunds. Yeah, and I love these guys. These guys are cool. I love the hands and I love the uh, the fact they can earthbend. I think that's awesome. It's <laughs> the OG earthbenders, the rotunds. Yeah, and I was trying to uh, I was trying to look up on the Avatar wiki to try to figure out what this instrument's called that so I could put in my summary. But I couldn't figure it out. I don't know if you you know it, but I'm just assuming it's a lute. Yeah, they had a whole bunch of random names, and I couldn't find that one that had uh, three at the top instead of four for the uh, the string uh, tuners. But but anyway, either way, he picks it up because he notices that they respond positively to the sound when he accidentally bumps into it. Of melodious tunes played from instruments. Yeah, and then he sings a little <laughs> not a great song, but. They seem somewhat charmed, so. Yeah, and he has backup, of course, from his uh, from his buds there. Uh, yes, the rotunds, they, um, you know, they, the, the, the counterparts to Appa, whereas Appa was the originator of, uh, or Air Bisons were the originators of air, and the earth, or <laughs> badger moles, excuse me, were the ones to, or the, yeah, we're, are the ones to earthbenders, and the ocean and moon spirits are the ones to waterbenders. So I wonder what that means for fire, and who taught the firebenders the element of fire. 
Mm. I guess we'll have to wait till book three. <laughs> yeah, I wonder. But no, I think that's a cool furtherance of that uh, from book one. Also, everybody keep in mind, keep this point in mind of badger moles and singing. Keep that in mind for mm. later. Yes, fair enough. Much, much later. <laughs> but then we cut back to Aang and Katara as they're making their way through the, the crystal path, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> and uh, yeah, they, I guess they kind of, they have a little bit of a, a little bit more uh, intimate kind of scene here. They're like almost holding each other's hands and kind of reflecting on the beauty of the, the love story that they just learned about. And I think that's kind of a, a cute scene and curious to see how that develops as the season continues. Well, what they were doing was they held the torch in hand together because that way when the darkness overtook them, they would still at least know where each other was. If that makes sense. Oh, so you're saying that was uh, right after the kiss? We cut back like immediately once they're done kissing. In that oh scene. yeah, no, nothing, nothing. Like they, they did they hadn't moved. It was just like cut, go to Sokka and the nomads, and then cut again after the rotunds are done, and go towards the uh, what is it? Go go to Angatara, and you know they just realized you know the crystal ceiling was above them, and you know Ang is like. So, can we, and Katara just sprints to the end, or yep. that away, as Appa also goes in tow, but not before Aang gives a smirk of like, almost got him. Yep. Almost got him. Yeah, then almost immediately, once they get out into the open, then Sokka and the, the Badger Moles pound their way through. So I thought it wrapped up a little quickly there. It's it's funny that they both arrived at the same time, but ah, but it works well enough, and I like to see the... Uh, the giant mole dudes that's that's kind of cute so <laughs> badger moles yeah i don't know who would uh take who in a fight if the rotunds would take on appa or not i have no idea and Sokka's like how did you guys get out yeah you know and he's like love leads the way <laughs> whatever that means yeah Sokka's probably like what what do you mean yeah i don't even know what that means and then you know the rotunds leave they go back inside the mountain like oh okay, let's go and then Appa and Momo reunite and Momo says these fascinating details and horror stories that they had to go through of the wolf bats, uh, Sokka's singing and their giant rotunds. <laughs> Not in that order. Well, by the way, just to focus on the, the badger moles one more time. They got some creepy back feet. Got some very bony, very sharp looking uh, nails on those feet. And then they got kind of a weird tail too. I like design. It's unusual. Well, I think it's supposed to be, you know, based off of rats, rat tails, I think. Well, I, what am I saying? You know rat tails more than I do. So these are like flat, flat worms almost. Yeah. Yeah. Almost like a little, like a band or something. Like a rubber band. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> yeah. But the, the nails make sense and the claws make sense just because like, I'm pretty sure that's what's similar like yeah. moles have to uh, actual claws. Again, it's for digging through. How do you think moles actually function? You know, like that we get a little brief scene with, uh, Sokka and Katara kind of be like, oh, like I'm so happy to see you. And she's like, oh, wait, why is your, your forehead all red? And then, of course, Chong has to pop his head in with his uh, constantly being behind by everything by finally recognizing that Aang's the Avatar. Yeah. <laughs> it was a fun little end for them, this silly little little group. Well, I mean... Have Sokka just choked with them more, one more time. It was yeah, true. I mean, I was I was wondering what, you know, Aang was thinking about uh, with... I don't know. Ang was just like, hey, you guys going to come with us to Mashu? Nope. Okay. <laughs> yeah. 
It's time we part ways. And of course, Chong feels like he's had this great bond with Sokka. So it's like, oh, that's kind of sweet for them. But <laughs> Sokka still isn't, uh, he's still an iceberg stand next to them. So yeah, really rough iceberg right now with his head, at least. <laughs> but even as they're walking away and singing their song, he does give a little bit of a smile to show that he, he did kind of grow some mild fondness for them. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> And uh, lyrics kind of reflect, you know, what? Ang and Katara are feeling right now with about each other of just like, even if your love is lost, well, I think it was to find a way again. And we see, you know, Ang look, you know, to the side, not blushing, but, you know, wondering if he'll ever get that kiss one day. And Katara herself is seen at least away from Ang with some, a little bit red of her in her face. Yeah. And then they walk up over that mountain and then we see, that they came up pretty much right outside of the city of Omashu. They were right all along Yeah, the, uh, the nomads it really was a shortcut, but um, yeah, not looking so great. All these. Uh... Yeah, no, unfortunately Mashu has the same tint of red on as Katara's face, except it's uh, this reds in the shape of a, uh, a banner. And that banner happens to be proclaiming the fire nation. Yep. So, so what happened to King Bumi? Do they keep the slides intact? I guess we'll find out in the next time on. So help me goodness if they like destroyed all the slides. Oh, they're absolute monsters. Must be taken down or else. Yeah, so tune in for two weeks from now and you'll find out what we think if, if they destroy the slides or not. But uh, but for this week, what do you think of this episode? Final thoughts for it. Pure unadulterated filler. <laughs> Save for potentially Zuko. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, this feels like taking a moment to kind of reflect on where we are, see where Zuko's at, see where Katar and Aang are at as a kind of brewing couple. And not really much for Sokka, but that's not too surprising. <laughs> so, yeah, he doesn't have a he doesn't, he doesn't have a love interest here. <laughs> yeah, it's just a little bit of catching up to, to where things are now. So I guess that's necessary, that kind of that kind of stuff. And I like the filling in of the City of Omashu kind of backstory. I thought that was a really cute and nice way to uh, push Aang and Katara a little closer together. What it was, I think, was uh, Josh took both two stories that from season one, or book one, excuse me, and he kind of looked at them again and said, let's try this again, almost. Let's do it again. But I think he did it properly. Well, not properly, but... You know, having having uh, having done it once uh, certainly helps getting reactions and feedback to what uh, was right and what was wrong. I mean, this was definitely a better choice to fill in some of Omashu and make it a little more meaningful, potentially, since we didn't really have that when we first you know saw it in book one, because uh, it was just the place that Bumi and Aang knew Bumi from a hundred years ago. And it had slides, uh, which was amazing. But to actually go in and like fill in some backstory for it, like that, that was pretty cool. And it did it in like a really unique like setting again in the cave. And I think as well, when I say the second episode, it was the Great Divide that used uh, the Great Divide as a. I think as you mentioned, yeah, it was kind of some, cause you know, that's the most filler in this entire show, but I think it used a setting perfectly um, to its advantage this time. 
and focused on once again two people uh but this time i think it did a lot better especially with that backstory well funny enough in the great divide it had those different art styles to it as well but this one was a lot more serious and it was almost you know a romeo and juliet love story so yeah i think that was that that set it apart from the great divide again pure on filler for i guess the gang i don't know about zuko but small little shifting points for zuko where his character kind of moves along this chess set uh, mm-hmm. to, to hopefully the end game yeah and it's nice to uh i like that they took a little bit of a time jump between this and the previous episode let the new kind of status quo kind of settle into place so it was a good time to catch us up you know things have changed a little bit and see where everyone's at so for filler i think it it plays enough into the, the ongoing story that doesn't feel like you could just skip it or anything like that certainly not but yeah, certainly, certainly another good episode for this second second book. Very happy to be here. I'm looking forward to uh, getting to one aspect of this this book very particularly. Can't wait till we get to that stuff. But I guess any any final final words for you or if you and your partner are ever wanting to go into caves to uh, go further with your relationship, might I suggest? Make out reef instead. Till next time. say make out reef <laughs> what yeah make out reef it's a spongebob reference <laughs> oh okay sure <laughs>